everyone, welcome to the fourth episode of In The Vitrine. My name is Nadia. And this is Danny. And this week, we're going to be talking about plastic. Plastic fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll begin with a short, brief history of how plastic got into fashion. Mm-hmm. In the 1950s, a company called DuPont was the first one to formally introduce plastic fibers into clothing. And they began doing that in men's suits. So some of the good things about polyester in, in men's suits was that they could stay crease-free for longer. And these are properties that people still use when they include, decide to include plastic into their fabrics. Mm. And then in the 1960s, as you remember, there was the space age. That's right. So we had designers such as Pierre Cardin, Paco Rabanne, of course, using mm-hmm. really unusual materials. Exactly. Um, who else did we have? Mary uh, Pont. André Courrèges. Yes. Yeah. So it was, we were looking to the future. We wanted colours that we had not seen before. Mm-hmm. We wanted slick finishings, um, shiny finishings and plastic was great at that time for that we had see-through pvc Mm. and we were able to make boots and different accessories that really became um, a staple of fashion designers during that time no yeah and it was much more playful i think you know to cater to the teenage consumer uh, who was on the rise during the 60s as well yeah it's almost as if they were recreating their toys but in adult that's a good point yeah Mm. definitely And then we had sort of a kickback in the 1970s, right, to the use of plastic. Yeah. So I think this is really interesting. We see it a lot now as well, but this idea of moralizing something. So Mm. you know how we moralize food and we're in the 1970s, we began to moralize plastic. Mm. And the rise of the hippie movement was a kickback against anything synthetic. And it was metaphorical Mm -hmm. as well as very material. So... Um, against government structures, disillusionment at what was happening with the Vietnam War. Mm. And we had the oil crisis with the Gulf. Um, And all these things, I mean, plastic is made from petroleum. So there was this, a lot of different political and social views that kind of contributed to the moralizing of polyester and plastic as bad. And in the 1980s, we... I guess in fashion history, one of the key things that happened in the 80s was the rise of the avant-garde Japanese designers. Mm-hmm. And designers like Comme des Garçons and Isemiyaki were never afraid to use plastic and polyester. And they would use this because of the way that they could be enhanced with technology to mm-hmm. create um, different finishings, things that looked burnt, things that looked crinkled. And they were very easy to care. Mm. One of the things that Isemiyaki said when he founded Pleats Please in 1993 was that he loved the, he wanted to clothe everybody. So he had a very democratic uh, view of this. And as we can see, his designs are very, um, they're not very fussy. They're almost like a uniform for the future. Mm. So he, since the 80s and 90s, he's been seeing plastic as a way to um, dress a lot of people how it's easy to care, easy to wear, and to him, beautiful. Right. Yeah, it's quite a practical material because it doesn't take much to maintain it, right? It's easy to wash. Mm-hmm. You don't have to usually iron it because, you know, it's wrinkle-free. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's waterproof, I guess, most of the time. So yeah, that's, with the right finishings, that's right. That's pretty cool as well. Yeah. 
And we continue seeing plastic, obviously, in um, designers' collections. And you were telling me about a collection that you are quite taken by in the 2000s. Yeah, I remember I was still a fashion student um, during that time. And it was there were huge images of them even in the local newspapers. It was um, Albert Elvas's collection for Lanvan, spring-summer 2008. Mm. And they were in this amazing, bright, fuchsia pinks, uh, very bright yellows and these ballooning silhouettes. So he had actually made the almost the whole collection in polyester. And all the periodicals were talking about how polyester was seen as a very cheap and very synthetic material. But here was um, Elvas creating the most beautiful light mm. and colorful collection um, for high fashion in polyester. Yeah. So that was, I think, one of the key highlights for plastic right (laughs) I guess it's a turning point because usually when we think about high fashion we think about luxurious fabrics fabrics that are expensive fabrics that are hard to care for and it's as if it's only for the rich right because you you need to be very careful with for example silk yeah you Um, can only do hand washing mm. or dry cleaning so to have polyester in high fashion I think was a change. I mean, you would expect that with the avant-garde designers. They don't really care. But but with um, high fashion, people who are spending thousands of dollars on clothing, I think this was really a turning point. Mm. And what about for us? I guess we can talk about our own use of plastic, our own love for plastic (laughs) in fashion. Um, I guess it started from when we were children, right? Because I remember when I was a little girl, my mom would sometimes put me in this like plastic dresses you know those (laughs) puffy ones which you know didn't allow any breathing room didn't allow your skin to breathe as well because it was non-porous and we would be put in these patterned leather shoes and you were expected to just sit prettily and properly as a young lady Um, I'm not sure if that was your experience as well I feel like this is quite common across sort of all cultures yeah well for me I grew up in Bolivia mm. and in Bolivia we in La Paz where I grew up we have very cold winters okay and it's very dry during the summer so my 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 uh, memory of polyester or plastic is mostly as like very bright neon parkas that I would wear ah, okay <laughs> yeah. to keep out the elements to keep yeah. you dry yes but I do warm. remember the PVC paint patent leather shoes mm-hmm. like um, I always wanted like this Mary Jane shaped PVC shoes and I could I only had the dull ones <laughs> and did you have to wear the frilly socks as well you know with oh, the lace trim yeah because that was definitely I did. my experience I, yeah I had those I have images of those um, but I had to wear school uniforms so actually to wear clothes like that was signified that it was the weekend and Right. So it was fun time. It was a happy thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of uniform, I mean, in Singapore, where I went to school, like primary school, secondary school, we would wear these uniforms that were not made from cotton. I mean, you would think it would be made of cotton or some breathable material because it is hot and humid year round here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, we would get our uniforms from the suppliers. Um, one of the biggest suppliers would be called Bibi and Baba. Oh, I remember. They had the store in Queensway Shopping Centre. Yes, right? and I believe they had one along Orchard as well. And, you know, you would get your uniforms from there. Usually they would come to school and you would get it at the beginning of the school year. And one of the things that they would tell you, you know, as like an attractive point <laughs> for their uniforms was that it was waterproof and fireproof. <laughs> so it was really sort of using the positive characteristics of plastic, I guess. But I've always been befuddled by that because I don't know why I would want waterproof and fireproof clothes. I just wanted to be cool and comfortable, you know. Um, and catch fire. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of weird. And um, because, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, when you're designing clothes, you wouldn't think like, okay, I need to make my clothes waterproof and fireproof. I feel like the first thing to think, think about when designing clothes would be, how do I make this look good and also make it comfortable for the wearer? Yeah. So I've always thought that was really um, mind-boggling. And especially given the climate here, I mean, most of the times we're just really uncomfortable in yes. those um, uniforms. I feel like um, us adopting polyester wholesale in the tropics is a bit of an issue because, mm. I mean, overseas, like in America, I know that children's pyjamas have to be fireproof oh. because um, just in case a fire breaks out while, while children are sleeping and the, if the clothes catch on fire, it burns their skin directly. I see. So it's meant to, like, at least not be the first thing that melts into their skin. Oh, gosh. Okay. I know it's a very gory <laughs> image. But there is a reason why they would need that. But over here, you're right. It's not the most comfortable fiber to wear because mm. it's non-porous. Yeah. And um, for some reason, it also has this... Um, this... What do you... How do you say? Like a... People know it as like a really smelly fiber. <laughs> it is. You know, when, when I'm wearing polyester now, I mean, I sometimes do that because um, a particular piece of clothing is just too beautiful to pass up. But I know that if I walk to lunch, you know, um, and I'm in the sun, it just kind of emits this smell, the material itself, right? And, you know, you can't really get rid of it. It, it smells like plastic sort of burning at like low temperature. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's quite uncomfortable. Mm. And um, the, the smell just stays on the clothing. So to use polyester in fashion design seems, I don't know, quite counterintuitive to me. Um, but at the same time, I appreciate that, of course, it is a low-cost material. Yes. And beyond that, you know, it is something that retains its colours very well. It retains its shape very well. And I guess in our image-conscious sort of era, um, in terms of how, you know, like a lot of people I know, a lot of students, for example, they will buy something on um, Taobao, for instance, right, which sells really cheap fashion from China. And they just want to get that Instagram-worthy kind of image, you know, like I'm wearing this thing, it's really cool, it's really on trend. And, you know, they're after that and not so much about, you know, a comfort. The materiality of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have worn pieces by Isemiyaki's from Please Please before and for some reason the way that he's woven the I mean the fact that the that the pleats expand mm. means that the garment is really huge and mm. the the technique he employs is reverse pleating so it means that the garment is this huge and then it shrinks into like one fifth its size because right. of the pleating yeah. so there's actually a lot of it's almost like you're wearing a a really wide-legged pair of pants. So right. it allows like air circulation mm. and it's not very thick. Mm. So that's how they go around it. But I guess for cheap, cheaper garments that do not invest so much on like 
research and development, yeah. there is that issue. And also things that are directly on places where we sweat a lot. Oh, yes. You know, it's nowadays when I'm buying clothing online especially, you get to see the materials that they're made from. Yes. Um, and what always makes me annoyed, I think, is when I look at a piece of clothing and they tell me something like the outer um, layer is made of cotton or silk or linen mm-hmm. and the lining is made of polyester. I'm just mm-hmm. like, that doesn't make sense at all. Why would you have polyester sort of getting skin contact and yes. then the breathable fabric is on the outside it just doesn't make sense yeah. you know and it makes me feel frustrated as a consumer yes. um, so now when I'm sort of shopping online that is one of the things I look out for material have you ever th- tried to use any of uh, Uniqlo's Arism new, yeah their clothes tech, their tech clothing yeah um, I'm actually wearing one right now <laughs> I'm so wearing that t-shirt what do you right think now. do you think it really helps to kind of does it really work um, in our weather I mean we have an eternal summer in Singapore yes. but the Arizona clothes some of them are also made of polyester right I think everything is made from some sort of with at least a high percentage of polyester yeah. because of the treatment that they have to put on yeah. it I think I still prefer um, materials like cotton and linen. Mm-hmm. Um, cotton more than linen because I think linen sometimes when it creases, it just looks quite bad and it's hard to iron that out. Yeah. Um, but I know that we can't really avoid polyester. And I think, you know, I just try to wear more breathable fabrics when I know I'm going to be outdoors. But if I'm teaching or I'm like indoors all day, then it doesn't really matter because you you don't get, I mean, your body sort of regulates, um, gets regulated, right, in terms of its temperature. So you don't really care that much about the the material of it. Yeah, but, you know, thinking about that, then I'm also wondering about athletic wear. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we go running or do yoga and things like that, and then you wear um, clothing that is supposed to be made for exercising. But sometimes I just don't think they're very breathable as well. The dry fit. The dry fit clothes um, or the Lululemon Athletica clothes. And it's also because they contain spandex, Mm. which is meant to envelop your body. Yeah. But it is another name for polyester. That's right. (laughs) And it says like it wicks away sweat. How does it do that exactly? How does it do that exactly? (laughs) I don't know. And I don't feel like sometimes it works very well either. You know, you have to like sort of mop up all your sweat with like a towel as well. I guess that's, um, that's also looking at how often so what's the period of time that you would be wearing clothing like that compared to something that you're going to be wearing the whole day yeah and I mean the um, the yeah like I said a lot of the high tech fabrics are only possible because of the treatments that they get and Mm. that can only be done with plastic polyester fibers yeah, for sure mm. you know i think that my love for plastic in fashion would have to be in shoes okay you know i, I own <laughs> lots of plastic shoes um so one of my favorite labels for plastic footwear would be ricino mm-hmm. um sounds italian <laughs> yes. but it's not it's a singaporean label and i have been wearing their shoes for quite a few years now but in fact it is a singapore label that began in the 1970s mm-hmm. um, how did you find them did you find them through your research you know what i went to a department store called metro here in singapore and I happened to see these beautiful clear plastic shoes um, among some not as good looking shoes from the same brand. So basically, they are these beautiful shoes with um, colored accents. So they have like 
pink or gold or black or silver and I've owned them all. Yes, I've seen them all. <laughs> you have seen them all. I have them. And I have replaced them as well because I think with plastic shoes, um, one thing that doesn't last is that that transparency. So mm. after a while, the transparent plastic kind of turns yellow and then a little bit orange and it doesn't look as fresh anymore. Mm. So I love these shoes. I guess partly because they are quite comfortable but mostly because they are just beautiful. Mm. And I love that you can see my feet under the shoes. Um, sort of, it's quite surrealist. So it yes. reminds me of, for example, the Elsa Schiaparelli shoes from the, from the 30s. Yes. Or, um, so the Elsa Schiaparelli shoes are the ones where you can, the shoe itself is made to mimic the foot. Mm. You know, and you can see like the toes, you can see the painted red toenails. Yeah. And I believe that um, other companies, other fashion companies have recreated this shoe. So I know that Comme des Garçons have done it. They've done these heels where you can kind of see, again, the toes and yeah. the painted um, toenails. But they are pictured on the, the shoes on the themselves. Shoe Whereas for me, when I wear my Ricino shoes, you get to see my beautiful oh. toes <laughs> painted in whatever colours, you know, <laughs> has tickled my fancy that yep. week. Um, so I really like that because it's... Um, it, it kind of stands out and, you know, it's something fun, something unexpected. And something that people always ask me to wear these shoes is, isn't it really uncomfortable when you perspire? Because then, you know, you can see some of the condensation within the shoes as well because there's yeah. actually not much breathing room. Yeah. So there are like these little cutouts, you know, in the front where the toes are. But by and large, you know, you will have some condensation. It will get a bit hot inside. But you know what? One has to suffer for fashion a little bit, you know. <laughs> and I'm I very very happily willingly suffer for my Ricino shoes, um, and because I love them so much, I've also looked into other types of plastic shoes, <laughs> and I have owned pairs from Jeffrey Campbell. I remember they made um, they were making litas this particular shoe shape yeah in like around 2011 mm. in all sorts of materials yeah. so they had the clear plastic they right. had the hologram mm. they had patchworked um, leather and they I think that particular design comes from the 1970s too right okay so there's a lot of this 1970s uh, spectrus of yeah. ghosts because Ricino is also from the 70s and yeah, I don't think they've changed much. Yeah, And if you are in the market for these shoes I'm talking about, they are called the Aisha shoes from Ricino. So anyway, um, aside from Jeffrey Campbell, we also see Melissa shoes. I mean, yes. they are known for their use of plastic. Yes, and Melissa's also started in the 1970s oh, in right. Brazil. I didn't know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they feel like rubber, but they're actually also plastic. And at the beginning, they just began with plastic parts. And then mm. finally, the whole shoe was in plastic. And I love wearing them. Yes, you and are wearing them now. You're yeah, I'm wearing them, at right them now. <laughs> and um, these are clear, so you can see my toes too. Yeah. Um, Which is so fun. And yeah, they match your top today, know. you know, and your <laughs> ring. <laughs> so it's like a whole green party going on. Yeah. Yeah. But they, and what I also like about them is that they have this particular synthetic bubblegum smell. Okay, I don't like that. I know. Yeah. Many, this is a point of contention with a lot of people. Yeah. I don't like that and that's why I don't buy Melissa shoes even though I 
like plastic shoes yeah. because the smell really turns me off. Maybe they should remove the smell. I think they would gather a whole new range of customers. Or maybe they could have like a bubblegum smell addition and then like a non- non-scented addition. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I remember I was talking to someone recently um, who said she loves her Melissa flats but mm. she's been trying so hard to get rid of the smell and it's just oh, not possible. And wow. I'm like, yeah, you can't because it's sort of ingrained, right? Yeah, Inside the material. material. Yeah. So it's not... You can't wash it yeah. off. But I really love the shapes too. They, again, they remind me of my Barbie doll shoes oh, that right. I used to play with. They, mm. And the colours that you can get with them are crazy synthetic. I've got this pair that's like electric blue. Mm. And they do a lot of designer collaborations as well. That's right. So they right. did things, even with Comme des Garçons, where I think they inserted something within yeah. the plastic that looked like cork. Mm. And I... I mean, as a young designer, I remember using a lot of plastic and PVC, Mm. and my students still do that now. There's something about plastic that just seems a bit futuristic and avant-garde and experimental. Yeah, I think it's experimental and it's kind of fun. It's like not taking, you know, fashion too seriously. Um, And I I remember that the collaborations that Melissa did, I I think I owned a pair for the one with Jason Wu. I think I made an exception for that one. Yeah, so... (laughs) So... I just ordered a new pair of plastic shoes, Danny, <laughs> and I'm very excited because it is a new brand I've never heard of before. It's mm-hmm. called Public Desire. What do they look like? Um, they are plastic fantastic. <laughs> um, so I found them on ASOS and I'm really excited to receive them. I've ordered a pair of bright pink um, wedge mules. Mm, oh, that sounds very nice. Yeah, I'm I super love excited. I they are bright pink. Okay, I will show them to you when I wear them. Yeah, um, I can't wait to see them. And you were telling me that recently there seems to also have been a revival in plastic bags. So not plastic bags as you would find in the supermarket, but yeah. like bags that are just really embracing, you know, their material. Yeah, I found it so strange because in general, we are so against plastic right now. And I remember two, three seasons ago the mm. rattan bags were very in you remember mm. the round ones right. because they seem quite eco-friendly as well right like kind of returning to the roots yeah. rather hippie exactly and like harking back to the 1970s and Chanel did that show where they recreated the beach so right. there was this whole movement towards like pastoral right slow fashion slow fashion exactly mm. so natural materials like rattan seemed very mm. very natural to, to yeah. use right but then suddenly now I'm seeing um, opening ceremony just featured this brand from that's based in Berlin called EE Handcrafted. Okay. And they seem to circumvent the idea of plastic by saying that, oh, they are handcrafted um, in Berlin. Okay. And they are made up of like lots of linked uh, plastic pieces uh-huh. um, that look like, again, uh, from the 70s, like, bags from the 70s mm. that were created in that chain-linked way. Right. From leather. Okay. And, again, um, there's another designer that I follow online called Susan Alexandra. Mm-hmm. And she creates her whole, co- all her collections with these plastic beads that mm. remind you of, like, the toy beads that you used to make children's jewellery with when you were mm, a kid. Okay. And um, I remember that internet AI influencer Leo Michaela was shown in an, a post wearing one of these bags. And so they are stringed together and woven to create these very uh, geometric bags with like cute designs on mm. them. And I just thought it was so funny and strange. Like it, it, it's always 
linked somehow to play or toys. Mm. But at the same time, um, it's so counterintuitive that such a synthetic material is back in fashion. Yeah. Or maybe it's just my algorithms. <laughs> well, you know, now that you're talking about that, I remember that there was a period of time I was quite crazy about, I think, Charlotte Olympia, oh, yeah. the Perspex clutches. Yeah. Um, and they were so whimsical, you know, so they would be like a telephone mm. um, or like something that you wouldn't think would be a bag. And it was, to me, quite surrealist as well, you know, mm. so sort of like um, playing with notions of what, should be or what could be but then like being quite experimental or quite risk-taking with it mm-hmm. and when you were mentioning these bags that are made of plastic then I thought about um, the brand called Gaia oh, do you yeah. know that so I do they make Acrylic. both yeah, yeah. They, they make both like the natural looking bags with like wood but also with rattan I think I'm not sure uh, yes they had a very iconic design in rattan right and then also plastic as well right with acrylic acrylic yes so I'm not sure why is there this sort of resurgence in um, in plastic within yeah. accessories. And I'm also seeing all these um, earrings as well, you know, that are quite artistic. Um, so like, you know, those rounded perspex pieces mm. in like sort of more fluid forms that we're seeing as well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But, um, but there, there is that malleability of plastic mm. and the fact that it can hold colour and shape very well compared to natural materials. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's always this idea of contrast mm-hmm. any, anytime. So there's like a camp against it and a camp for it. Yeah, but you're right. That, I mean, plastic has such a bad name, um, especially in recent years. I mean, right now we, we don't have plastic straws, for instance, at a lot of establishments or, you know, we are encouraged, I mean, a, a bit belatedly, but in Singapore, we've been recently uh, discouraged from taking plastic bags um, mm-hmm. from supermarkets and yeah. you're encouraged to take your own sort of tote bags yeah. um, or usable bags. And islands around the region are also banning plastic yeah. because of how it's ruining their beaches. Yes. And we, I mean, I recently read about how um, countries are also trying to send back like plastic waste. <laughs> so like China is no longer accepting plastic waste, right? From the developed yeah. countries. And so now everyone's like, oh gosh, where do I send my, my waste? Um, so it's, I mean, it's a really big problem. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to sort of have an impact that much yet in the yeah. fashion industry because... Lots of people use plastic for... I mean, it's just inevitable, yeah. I guess. And also, one of our colleagues, remember he said that plast- recycled plastic can even be considered more eco-friendly than right. natural fibres because yes. of the sheer amount of um, water and resources that yes. are needed to create cotton t-shirts or cotton jeans. Yeah, and it's kind of thinking about what natural resources you're conserving. Exactly. And, um, he, I mean, Martin is his name and he's a, he's a textile designer. Yeah. Um, and he was, yeah, he was telling me and Danny about um, the use of recycled polyester, was it? That that yes. would actually be the way forward because, I mean, it's already created. Yes. And instead of kind of harvesting cotton yeah. and whatnot, you can do that. I also remember going to, I mean, it's a little bit off topic, but it's still part of this idea of materials. Mm. And it's a, it's part of the whole sustainability dialogue as well to think about thinking about our waste as a resource. So thinking about since we've got an island of plastic in the ocean, mm-hmm. then that becomes our actually our resource and we should mm. be thinking about ways on how to use that. But at the same time, plastic doesn't, 
doesn't live very long in the same way. Like, mm. after 20, 30 years, it discolors, it mm. melts, mm. and especially in this weather. And I remember in archives, um, they would always show us uh, contemporary designers like Christopher Kane and with these beautiful, very tech, high-tech embellishments, but the conservators would always say how these things are mm. exuding fumes and mm-hmm. they are not going to look the same in a hundred years' time. Yeah. Gosh. There's a lot to think about. Um, I mean, even though we do love our plastic in fashion, I mean, what impact are we having on the environment? And, you know, thinking about plastic always makes me think of packaging as well. I Mm. mean, we we receive a lot of our clothes um, in clear plastic bags, you know, and I mean, what do you think of that? I know that more um, fashion brands, especially those that are concerned about being sustainable, they will pack it in like jute bags or, you know, like tote bags. Yeah. Um, but still we're seeing lots of plastic waste there. Yeah. I think it also comes with this idea of how how okay are we with receiving things that are not perfect? Because mm. plastic is there to protect things yeah. and to make them look new. Right. Mm. To keep out pollutants, I guess, to yes. make it seem hygienic, like you were yes. saying to me earlier, um, to make it seem brand spanking new. Yeah. Um I don't know. There's I, no I don't easy really, answers. There's no easy answer. Mm. And I don't think we're going to see the end of plastic use anytime soon. No. I wonder uh, what it's going to morph to. Because when it first came on, it was something new and the possibilities were... led a lot of trends and, and innovation. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when we were talking about like patent leather shoes that we wore when we were kids, I mean, even now we're seeing lots of, you know, patent leather um, shoes being made and marketed as vegan yeah. shoes, which I've always thought odd because I'm like, vegan seems to connote eating like things that you put into your body and I'm not going to eat my shoes. So that was actually my <laughs> first thought. I remember I saw, was it Natalie Portman who came up with vegan shoes? Um, Did she I, come I, up with that? I don't know if it's her or it's the... Jessica Alba. Oh gosh, okay, I might have gotten that entirely wrong. But I remember that, you know, this word vegan came out with shoes and it took me a while to wrap my head around that idea. And of course, when we think about vegan shoes, obviously we know that their agenda... So it's Natalie Portman? Okay, so yes, (laughs) Danny has confirmed with a Google search. Um, But when that idea first came out, I thought, well, that is definitely to say like, you know, we're against using um, natural leather, right? So that's again another cause to fight for. Mm -hmm. But then what of the idea of using plastic then, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't have the answers, Danny. Me neither. Okay. Should we just end it there on that ambiguous ambiguous note? note, Yes. Um, All right. So that's it for us this week on In The Vitrine. Thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to speaking again next week. Bye. Bye.